All right, welcome to our debut episode of Talent Takeover. Unfiltered. All right, so make sure you listen to the end for our Broke to Boss tip by Taylor Bradley here, which are super excited about. She knows her shit, that's for sure. So today we are going to debut with what's wrong with the recruiting industry. And let me tell you, we could spend hours doing this. <laughs> so what we're going to do is make this several episodes, but let's, let, let's get to the nitty gritty here. Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. When it comes to working hard and keeping it real, we know our shit. Self-care, happiness, inner peace, and time. I'm Brianna Rooney, and this is Taylor Bradley. Hey, y'all. And we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form. So, Taylor, what are we doing here today? We're here to give you a raw, under-the-hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long underrated industry that's full of quote-unquote experts. All right. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Taylor, what's wrong with the recruiting industry? Well, to start, what is it? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a question that we get a lot. What is talent acquisition? What is recruiting? Um, I don't even think my dad still knows what I do for a living. So um, really getting people to understand what recruiting is, there's a strategy to it, there's an art behind it. You know, it is a real job. I would say that that's obstacle number one that we typically face in recruiting and probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah, my parents definitely don't know what I do. I have any random schmo saying, oh, recruiter, um, can you find me a job at a grocery store? No, sorry, I can't. I'm in tech. Yeah. <laughs> I don't got time for that. <laughs> You're like, I'm in tech and I'm the millionaire recruiter. I cannot go find you a job. But I mean, that's that's also kind of part of one of the other things that's wrong with it is, you know, recruiting, you got to educate yourself. So is really educating to understand what a recruiter does before you reach out to Brianna Rooney, the millionaire recruiter saying, can you help me get a job? Can you write my resume? Which we have services, as we know, we that do can have do that. <laughs> um, but Brianna herself would not be the one to do that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that companies still have not cared to learn what we do, which is insane to me because it is literally the most expensive function that any company does ever. Right. So what the hell? I just think that they're now it's now getting post pandemic right it's getting um the respect that it deserves because it's become recruiting has changed completely the way you recruit the way you hire everything so i feel like we're just now kind of getting the respect that we deserve but even still they don't understand how much goes into it you know i actually had a manager tell me what's the candidate experience and why should I care? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even talk to you anymore. Like if you don't know and don't even see, it's, it's self-explanatory in my opinion, but also um, it's the number one thing you should care about in our current market. Oh God. And don't get me started on that because that is a different episode. Candidate experience one and candidate driven market. It's all shitty. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that companies are just, they're like, oh yeah, wait, you do your job. Okay, well, you know we have to work together. We have to set strategies. We have to put data behind this. Um, one of my favorite things is, hey, how long does it, what's your fill rate? Again, another subject, but it's like they don't know any of the answers to these questions. They don't realize how many resumes go into filling a role. They don't realize how much time their hiring manager is spending. I mean, I can go on and on. So right. I guess the, the whole question is, it's like, what can we do first things first in order to educate the people in the recruiting industry? I think really just being religious about hiring manager interview training. 
I think companies need to do that. I think that's got to be a priority for them is to make sure that their hiring managers understand, um, you know, how to how to factor the candidate experience into the interview process, what it means, the different ways that, you know, they represent their brand, because that's huge, too. EVP is employee value proposition is one of the main drivers for candidates um, accepting offers at companies. First of all, thank you for saying an acronym that nobody knows and then defining it. You're welcome. <laughs> I saw the light die out of your eyes when I said I EVP like, and I was oh like, God. and that's employee value proposition. <laughs> we love an undefined acronym over here. Yeah. So the recruiting industry, and I would just say um, talent acquisition alone, I think is a, uh, a word, a phrase, obviously it's two words, but um, it's difficult. Like what the hell is talent acquisition? Yeah. Uh, I've been a recruiter, sourcer I love, uh, but a recruiter forever, 14 years at this point. But talent acquisition is its like own beast and there's so many things in it. But uh, I guess what is really important to talk about is what can we do? Like, like what can we do? Again, I, we talk about educating them with the hiring manager training, but I'm also thinking that's not enough. There's way more things wrong with that. So where do we start? You go to their house and physically assault them <laughs> to get them to understand what we do. You will learn my job. No. Um, I just think it's going to take educating them. And I also feel like we're in a position where we can say no to bad business. And what bad, one of the, I guess, factors of bad business is if they don't see value in what we do and also what they need to bring to the table as the hiring managers, you know, and the brand. When I think about some of the companies that, uh, want to work with us who have not defined their brand at all, but then we have to go and compete against the Googles, the Facebooks, or Metas of the world and try to compete for the same talent when you don't have a defined brand or a robust careers page. I mean, what am I selling? That brings me to a really good point is that recruiters are the first face you see and the last face you see. We are brand ambassadors, yet no one again cares to define what their brand is to recruiters. How crazy is that? I think what's even more wild and thank you why Thriversity exists and why we're training people. There is no training in recruiting at all. No. Yet the recruiters, the sourcers are the ones that are getting people's brands out. Yeah. So where's that script? Right. <laughs> well, and it's like, I feel like what used to be, um, not considered the most important step and recruiting has now become the most important. And that's that initial reach out, right? Because candidates now have the opportunity to choose who they want to respond back to. They're getting hit up by everybody. And so it's got to be a really captivating in mail, which as we all know, you're the queen of writing those <laughs> and training people to write those, but it's got to be something that makes that gives them a competitive edge. And a lot of companies don't even give us that to work with. We kind of have to create it and craft it and make make their offering or company more appealing than, you know, one of the fan companies, which is, again, an art in itself that a recruiter can take, you know, six to eight bullets that they know about your company and sell it as if they worked there. That's pretty incredible. Uh, that's actually amazing. So it, it's funny. I feel like uh, my whole recruiting career, and, and I know you, you hate the word sales. I do. <laughs> which is great because Recruiting is definitely put into that sales industry, but what you just described is truly badass sales in order to take like, what's your, uh, turn glitter to take dirt and turn <laughs> that shit to glitter. Thank you. I can never get that right. Yep. <laughs> but we can literally take any brand. I mean, like I think about just even seed funded companies that have zero, they don't even have a website and they're like, um, excuse me, recruiter, can you please 
get people to work here. You don't have a fucking website. Are you joking? <laughs> like, what? okay, sure. You got it. You got it, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the other thing is having realistic expectations about what is doable and achievable in this market. You know, you can't still expect people to have their ass in the seat, you know, from eight to five in the office. And it's just not that way anymore. You have to be flexible. So I feel like a lot of companies too are like, oh, well, people should want to come work here. Like, no, bro, nobody wants to come work there. <laughs> nobody wants to go in that office building, you know, like they don't. And so to me, it's, you've really got to take a look at the way that work has been done and then the way the world is going. You cannot operate. You can't recruit. You can't do anything the way that you did 10 years ago. That is the hard part. That's for sure. And, and that's, again, yeah. another episode. Well, and getting over that, well, we do it that way because it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. It's like my skin crawls when I hear that. I'm like, ugh. Uh, don't, don't give me the wrong chills. Uh, yeah, it's like, sip, please sip this Kool-Aid and I swear that it will all work out. You know, we're all promising the same thing, this big IPO. And, uh, you know, if you get the right VCs behind it, yeah, it can happen for you. But, you know, most commonly, it's like they're just grinding for no reason. So, yeah, yeah if they're not sipping the Kool-Aid, then there's an issue. Uh, how do you even find, like, you know, hiring managers and recruiters? They don't ever see eye to eye. The respect there is so limited. Is this another episode? And can we talk about this? I mean, <laughs> that's that's a big one, I feel like. But I've, I, we could touch on it. But I definitely think it'll come up in a co couple other of uh, our episodes. It's kind of a theme. Yeah. And that's really sad. And that goes back to the hiring manager train. So if the hiring managers don't understand what we do and all that it takes to do it, then there is no respect there. And that's the sad part. Right. They don't even take the time to get to know us and then not respect us, you know? It's going into it. They already don't, not that that's what we want, but going into it, they already don't respect us just because of the industry and the role we're in. Yeah. I, I talk a lot about you could Google recruiters. Recruiters are, and yikes, they're assholes. They're shady. They're the worst. <laughs> they ghost me. They, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, but I always think people have no idea how much we get ghosted to by hiring managers who are paying us to work on their jobs. Yet they ghost us when we provide them resumes and can't get feedback. Every recruiter right now is like, yep, facts. I know, just nodding their head because these are the industry challenges. Those will not change. Yeah, and I think you get, you know, when you get higher up on the totem pole, this ladder that's just wicked, uh, then they have like, you know, oh, well, my time is worth X. So, like, of course I can, you know, miss a meeting with you. Like, I can't tell you how many hiring managers miss recruiter meetings. Yep yikes so then it's like oh well but you didn't hit my sourcing numbers yeah well you didn't show up for a goddamn meeting so yeah. I didn't think I was important exactly uh, that happens to us all the time as you know we just had a situation a few <laughs> we weeks did. ago that it's like you expect us to still our do our job without the support we need from you or the feedback we need from you in order to be able to effectively do our jobs and, you know, that's what I know we could talk about forever, too. But it's really hard when you're not given any feedback from hiring managers on knowing if you're going in the right direction. Um, is this person a culture fit? Because we are still learning in the beginning. That is true. I can't tell you how many times, like, I would have loved to record a client that is, like, trying to tell me about their search and their troubles and stuff. And it's like, you know that that's illegal for you to tell me that right like it's illegal for you to say so um I need a woman manager great how big's your team mm, five five dudes I go why do you need a woman manager 
Well, because I'm told I need to diversify. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and the audacity to say that you're like, oh, my God. I to can't. a woman. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I can't, I can't, or so they think. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's like they, yeah, I'm mind blown. Some of the things that come out of people's mouths. And those are the ones that I'm talking about that still think the ways you recruit 20 years ago, candidates are lucky to walk in this building. You know, they'd be lucky to sit in this lobby. It's like, no, they, no, no. You're lucky there's even any cars in the parking lot. <laughs> so, yeah. And definitely going back to they haven't cared to learn what we do. I think any time that we're brought in, right, it's usually by senior level leadership. Sometimes that's the CEO. Most of the time it is. But they're also usually our hiring managers. And so they bring us in and they really don't bother to understand the process and make themselves available, even though they know they're spending the money. And I'm like, make it make sense. You're literally wasting money because obviously it's going to take us so much longer to fill these jobs mm -hmm. if you're not engaging in the process. And if they don't make it a priority with their organization, we're spending the money to bring these people in so that they can help us get these hires. You make recruiting a priority. And that's a big one to me too, when it comes to really understanding and valuing what we do and making sure they're engaging with us. It starts from the top down. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that that's with anything for sure. But so, you know, I've, I've been agency, which is contingency recruiting. So it's like I can, you know, pick and choose my clients for sure. So there will be times like, in my opinion, if you're not getting back 24 to 48 hours on a resume, this isn't real for you. And since I get to come and go as I please, I move on. And what they don't realize is that if someone, you know, is a week off, that means that was probably about two to three weeks off timeline on pipe. Yep. So yeah, that's like its own other can of worms. So it's that that's why it's like if they knew what we did and they knew what is required to do fill the top of funnel, how many resumes, all of those things when we talk about being data driven. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be like that. Like they would understand that you don't just, you know, flip a switch, a light switch and be like, Oh, and um, well, here we go. It's time to hire again. Yeah. It's like, no, no one's waiting for you. Yeah. Why would they? Absolutely. Well, and the data thing is so huge because if they don't know you know, where their numbers are currently, like, for example, time to hire, right? If they have no idea that it takes, you know, Joe Smith in the accounting department six months to hire, they have no idea the candidate pool, like how, what they're losing out on, the talent that they're losing out on. Um, and so really providing people data on their recruitment process and various points, I think is so powerful so that they also know how it's improving, right? You want to yeah. see what your money is doing, the ROI, yeah, you know what's interesting? All they have to do is think about, okay, how many messages do I get in LinkedIn alone to switch jobs? If they would even just have that minor reflection, oh, I get like 25 messages to move jobs. And they would realize, wow, it takes a lot of messages. It takes a good subject line. It takes a good email. I will never forget when a client balked at my fees and was like, well, can a monkey do your job? <gasps> Woo-wee! You mother-er. <laughs> Yep. And uh, I feel like that's what we should end at because, yeah, you motherfucker. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I remember that day for sure. I will never forget it. And that was a moment I was like, oh, we're going to change this industry because guess what? We matter. Without us, you don't hire. Yeah. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. 
<laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Um, trust me, we're not just going to have bitch fests all the time, but this one, I got to tell you, brings up a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so we are every Tuesday. And what, what I said is we like to end with a broke to boss tip from Taylor. Give it to us. Yeah. So make sure you, to manage your decision fatigue. And what that means for me specifically is I don't make any difficult decisions after 2 p.m. I know when is the, my optimal focus time to really make effective decisions. And so make sure you manage your decision fatigue, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, for sure. So we are both morning people, but I know that there's that is not the norm sometimes. So sometimes that might be a 5 p.m. if you start your day at like 11. So just, you know, do what works for you, right? Absolutely. Nice. All right. Well, sounds good. We will definitely see you every Tuesday. Talent Takeover. Unfiltered. <laughs> <laughs>